Let's welcome everyone to Paradigm Shifters. And you know my guest today, he's a specialist in music of the spheres and many, many other healing and consciousness tools. And Randy, Randy Masters was my very first Paradigm Shifter interview in 2008. Do you remember that, Randy? I sure do. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> yeah, what an honor that to, that we have you back again. And we have a lot to talk about because the world is changing probably faster than our minds can handle it. But we're, we're kind of banking on that, that it's changing so fast. And the frequencies that we can access are changing as well. And I kind of see them as a little bit of... Uh, what uh, tools for us to be able to recreate some parts of reality or heal us or you're on you get to talk welcome to the show yeah, yeah well you have less thank you thank you you and bob both have been dear such dear friends with me for all these years just awesome uh, and i do carry a couple dimes in my pocket oh, know, <laughs> yeah for the paradigm shift and i do shift <laughs> them from one pocket to another so i'm just recommending some that's a simple technique 20 cent technique anybody can do two dimes whatever kind of dime you want you know and uh but you know don't coat them with mercury to make them shiny like we did as kids not knowing about the toxicity of mercury oh my god <laughs> that's really you funny. know we're here we're playing with the dimes and putting the mercury and isn't this cool as we're getting toxified you know <laughs> <laughs> but at least what you're saying is giving us a really good concrete example of shifting the way we think we are shifting how we think and we're giving us some different parameters aren't we yeah outside of two dimes in your little old flea bitten pocket i play with that in a store (laughs) you know and if i have dimes i give them and i tell them or whatever because they smile and laugh and that uh humor helps people rise out of the frozen fear state you know Mm -hmm. it's true isn't it yeah. Why so, would uh, why would we be frozen in fear these days? Tell me about that. Oh, oh, first of all, I have a little basic question. How I perceive, and you know what my kind of work is, I perceive that the frequencies are uh, the universes are never the same. They're always in a state of motion, and I feel these like increased motion or increased vibrations coming to me is that right i mean it's what it seems to happen so much and things are going so fast but yeah i think yeah. the nature of the universe and its creation from out of the god's bark is for things to progress and basically unless humans do something to thwart it for things to get better and better qualities to get better iqs to improve health to improve bodies to improve aging to improve Mm -hmm. Uh, all of these things come with the territory of the nature of creation is that creative things keep creating and Mm -hmm. one thing get better and better and then there are those who deem that that kind of progress is not profitable and try to do the things that they do to thwart that Mm -hmm. and if you were to undo the amount of things that have that have thwarted that progress you know you can i can just imagine where we would be and how fast we would be progressing and we wouldn't be dealing with uh, purposeful disinformation. We could take information and work with it and, and progress with information rather than progress just to find out what is disinformation and what is authentic. Yeah, it could give it mobilization. You mobilize the information, Absolutely. use it as a 
But I often think that words, you're a music of the spheres, you're a, a master, well, musician in your own right, but you do understand vibrations and so on. And I always say to myself, words are, are like little uh, chords. Every word mm -hmm. is like a chord with a lot more. And uh, there's numerical significance in all the letters in the different languages. And, you know, the gematria or gematria, you can pronounce it either way, or alphanumerics in the various languages where you have a number for every letter and then you can get the, the total number for every word or for a sentence and you can reduce those through mm -hmm. uh, root reduction or theosophical reduction. So, theosophical so means that it's got the meaning. 729 uh, that a word and, and um, so then seven plus two is a nine and then another nine you get 18 and one and eight is a nine so you know it reduces they all reduce from one to nine and there are special cases where the double numbers 11 through 99 might they have their own special meaning as a double number you know that's not always reduced and you get an, an additional meaning but that gematria has been is in all these sacred texts they're all number coded so hmm. if you want to get more of the mysteries out of the Quran and the Bible and, and on and on, then you, you start uh, translating in numbers. Now, there are some people, when I worked with that, with Joseph Paleo, who discovered those things that they are calling the original solfeggio. And I have a lot to say about that because there's so much disinformation on the internet about it uh, by people that don't really know what it is. And solfeggio, S-O-L-F-E-G-G-I-O. Yeah, which is a solmization or, you know, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, si, do, that mm -hmm. whole scene. Or sa, re, ga, ma, pa, da, ni, sa in India, which is thousands of years older than Western Europe. They mm -hmm. had the, they had the syllabus, syllabalization going on thousands of years before, probably 10,000 at least before, before Europe. But um, that So cheeky whole, question, does that mean they're wiser? Well, um, Let's say that they are open to the the way the music of the spheres moves through language and letters, okay. right? Which is it's a vibrational. It's another layer of vibrational meanings. Okay. Now, they can gain wisdom from that if they pay attention to it, mm -hmm. because it, it, there's a whole code running through these sacred texts that work with the numbers. Joseph used to see the numbers. Uh, Joseph Paleo jump right off the pages of the Bible uh, and on his windshield when he'd be driving the numbers would be showing up so wow. he, yeah yeah he was cool and uh, I got I, when I found out about the original six tones I analyzed them and found out that there was an additional 12 and he and I got in touch so for many years we did research together on all of that uh, those numbers because it's a vibratory thing you can uh, recommend to the listeners if they want to know more about it. First, be very cautious about what they read on the internet. Like mm -hmm. people talk about, <laughs> about everything, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there needs to be an internet, internet. Anyway, maybe somebody already has that. I don't know. But uh, uh, like 528 repairing broken DNA, it doesn't. I know the scientists that made that up. And it spread all over the world. Well, you know, it spread so much that it might actually repair broken DNA now, DNA now because so many people believe it. You know, there's that aspect 
you say something enough and pretty soon everybody believes it and they and then it affects their reality as if it were true hmm. so it wouldn't matter if it's true or not it's still affecting their reality as if it were true because it's believed it's believed and therefore it has a different impact because of the beliefs but 528 is not used by any of the labs to repair broken dna okay. but it, that's one of that's one of the six original uh tones that they called the original solfeggio which i wouldn't mm -hmm. mind clarifying a few things i just did i a four hour it was a four hour class with a group up in uh, canada about it about the solfeggio more information on that in one class probably than anywhere I just did a whole big, huge download on that. Is uh, it recorded? It, is it on a recording? Yeah, they have it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Whirling Rainbow. You can look them up. Okay. Uh, the Whirling, Whirling Rainbow Foundation uh, in uh, Alaska. A very far out uh, group. And uh, that was really fun. Because these frequencies are spreading through people who didn't know about a lot of stuff about the music of the spheres and harmonics. And all of a sudden... Uh, lay people, you might say, are talking about solfeggios without even knowing what the word really means. Hmm. It's like it's all over the place. And it's and that's good in the sense that it's opening people that that particular group of frequencies, which originally there were six. And uh, 528 happens to be one of those numbers. Now, I'll tell you what the six numbers, original six numbers are. Uh, so people want to work with it but and you can look up stuff there's a lot of people uh, with things on the internet and there's some truth on the internet and there's a lot of people channeled and made up stuff about it uh, i want to ask you one more thing before you go any farther is the word harmonics can you give us just a little bit of parameters on that word before you go farther into solfeggio oh sure well you see um it doesn't mean it's going to be hertz cycles per second you see that's okay. part of that's sound because when you, we're talking about uh, phonons with sound and photons with uh, light. So okay. Light is measured in nanometers or angstroms. An angstrom is 10 times a nanometer. So uh, that, that's how many, you know, of the nanometers per second, you might say, for a wavelength of light, which is another measuring unit that's not hertz. But it's still harmonics because I've done a tremendous amount of research on light and okay. wavelengths of light and all of that that i do i apply all the knowledge of sound to it just about okay. i mean in terms of uh the mathematics and sound of overtones as harmonics and undertones hmm. both those two things are overtones over kind of like an aura well yeah uh, yeah in a way and you can get that uh, overtones off of uh, essential oils the other okay fragrances on multiple layers that you smell that's harmonics you know mm. the 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 sense of smell is loaded mm. with harmonics mm. talk to any of the really professional winemakers for instance and mm -hmm. they're sensitive to those harmonics and they can tell you what you know they might not use the word harmonics but they'll say tones or overtones or high tones and mm. you get you'll get terminology like that in the essential oil world because i know people that own essential oil companies and i mm. talk to them and so we go into some pretty deep stuff about that and i'm glad they, you do this is exciting they like talking to me about it because you know i've got it all linked up harmonically in other words i'm looking at the whole universe all of creation from a harmonic point of view okay 
So my version of music of the spheres is a big definition. Things do not have to be spherical, you know, like planets and moons or egg shaped, you know, or way distorted like Phobos, that moon mm -hmm. of Mars, mm -hmm. you know, that was actually brought in to help uh, from what I've heard to stabilize the orbit of Mars after the planet Maldek exploded. Uh, uh, Mars uh, was going to wobble to the point it would have gone into the sun. What's and it so called? Phobos. Phobos. And it's a long... P-H-O-B-O-S? Uh-huh. Phobos. And it's a really elongated shape. Okay. Not, not like our moon uh, is the, the roundest <laughs> spherical oh. of okay. all the moons in our, in our solar system. Okay. It's highly unusual and it's heading toward the perfection of a sphere. You know, very beautiful, not a spheroid. The Earth is a spheroid. It's slightly flatter, you know. So uh, Phobos is the one that's very round, is it? It's not round. It's like okay. elongated in this oh, elongated. way, way misshapen if you were going to compare things to a sphere. Okay. You know, like that. So I've got a lot to fun. learn here, Randy, with you. Well, it's fun. I mean, uh, it, it actually, see, it unifies all these things. I can flip from topic to topic and we're still talking about harmonics but we okay. might use a few different words when we're talking of the overtones of essential oil compared to the overtones of a sound frequency like uh, the tone coming off of a sitar and mm. it has the fundamental note and then there's other notes that come off of the note when you play it because of the overtones and undertones and most or have a good wine yeah absolutely mm -hmm. or an average wine that you can treat with thought mm -hmm. and devices and make an excellent wine out of an average wine. Right, right. Where it's got harmonic content is different than, than when it started out being very average. You know, like- So you can change you its to... harmonics in order to improve its taste and effect and so on and so uh -huh. forth. Mm -hmm. yeah, a little bit of al sonic alchemy there by knowing how to do it. Wow, that. wow, yeah. okay. That's yeah, good that, to know. Yeah, and it works, mm -hmm. and I've been doing it for years. So, had proven it to my friends, including winemakers. And I do a little mm -hmm. something on their wine, and you know that they don't expect because, of course, they mostly think they've already figured it all out. You know, and this musician guy comes along and does a little something to their wine. <laughs> you know, and I and I save them chiropractic appointments because you know their head spins around three sixty. They don't have to do <laughs> chiropractic. You know, and that's kind of fun fun to watch. It's like. The mask movie with Jim Carrey, remember? Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really cool stuff. You're having so, fun, Randy. Yeah. So when you get in, into this harmonic talk, you've got overtones, which is a whole number multiple of some note you start with. Just multiply it by any numbers from one through infinity, as high as you want to go. But okay. you also have undertones where you take that note and divide it by all the numbers one through infinity as far as you want to go. So you got overtones and it, so that's the, in sound, the as above, so below, but in inverse proportion, you see, that's also part okay. of the expression as above, so below, which is one of the laws, the vibratory laws uh, of alchemy. You can read the Kabbalion that lists the main seven of those laws, but what is it? It plays out in sound with the overtones and the undertones as mirror images. And hmm. I, and I, you know, so that's, that's really important that part, you mm -hmm. know, like, uh, one of my scientist friends called uh, another level of, besides the four main forces, he called it the night side of nature. Oh, really? 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's too bad. He, uh, he used to work for National Atmospheric Research. And uh, he had a, okay, this is for some of your listeners out there. This will be wild. So they, they can just take some of the things I say and just stick it on a shelf or put hit delete if they want, whatever. It, it'll make it easier. I'm just, that's just telling you in advance. Okay. I, won't be offended. <laughs> I won't be offended. All right. But this guy made some, had some rare gas globes made with glass with uh, rare gases, you know, like xenon and krypton, that kind of stuff. And he used to travel in time back to his laboratory in Peru. And that was an Atlantean libra- uh, laboratory in Peru because the Atlanteans spread out all over the world. And so he would go there and get information and bring it back into, at that time, 20th century reality and do stuff with it. Hmm. Yeah, very cool, cool things, you know. Not that all his scientist friends know that he's doing that or he might have lost his job. Mm -hmm. He's far out, so he can't tell them. Where'd you get that information? Oh, you know, I'm hanging out with my harmonic globe. (laughs) I, I, I went back to my my uh, Peruvian lab that was, you know, Atlantean times and I know how to access it. And I got the key to the lab and I just went in, got it and brought it back here. You know, can well, we all get a globe like that, Randy? <laughs> do you create them? I don't, but I know somebody who does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Gregory Hogue of Metaforms made it for him. I love it. And they're mm-hmm. online. Uh, and uh, so this scientist wrote a book called Harmo- The Harmonic Orb reflections of the heart oh really yeah a friend of mine and i helped him and he got it published and um and he has a whole chapter called the night side of nature and i do lectures on that really yeah on because that term that's all i need i mean i have his definition which is very cool you know besides the strong weak electromagnetic and gravity those four forces there's also what we don't see and that's where a lot of the information of harmonics and other things come in and uh, some of the sacred mathematics and things starts getting into bridges that gap in the ether world Hmm. and it's just as real it's just because a lot of people have ignored it because it was politically uh, advantageous to ignore it if they wanted to continue living at their time in history Hmm. you know or they ignored it out of uh, a consciousness block where they came up against that information and just couldn't handle it I mean, at least now they're talking about phone, photons and phonons, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't heard that term before, phonons. Yeah, for, for sound. Mm-hmm. And they're different. Light and sound are different. They're not the same. And there's a lot of people who will say, well, isn't sound the same thing as light? It's just one of them is, depending on who you talk to, one of them is just higher. You just take it up. You don't just take sound up by octaves and all of a sudden now it's light. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you, if you think that the speed of light is valid, and a lot of people now, a lot of scientists now are not considering that the speed of light can actually be measured. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I like that. They put For that some reason, now. I like that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but the way that they've been doing it since the 1800s is you divide the wavelength in nanometers or angstroms into the speed of light and angstroms per second or nanometers per second okay okay and and then it converts the sound it's way up in the trillions of hertz obviously the sound is like way up there right mm-hmm. humans can hear not much above about twenty thousand hertz typically the normal human consciousness and down to about 16 hertz 
in the normal human consciousness. I'm not talking about people who've broken the sound barrier, you know? Right. Because, because their consciousness, same with light. There's people who see colors that others don't see because of how their brain has been activated and they can see colors that don't even have names by our standards, different wavelengths, just like- It's kind of like uh, synesthesia. Okay, go ahead. Well, in that way, yes, in a way, kind of, because that is in the ballpark, because with synesthesia, you know, that, you know, you could like, you could smell sound. Mm -hmm. You could, you, you could taste sound. Right. You could smell light. You follow me? In other words? Yeah, I sure do. Mm -hmm. Light is not about just visual. There's a lot of different aspects of that. And also depending on how much a person's pineal and pituitary glands are activated and how their brain processes information. And at a certain consciousness level, it's blocked from seeing certain things. Okay. And, you know, and maybe so they don't get confused, but, you know, there's, you know, I think of it like a dog. That, what, what is it? They can smell like something like five miles away. Wow. I mean, some amazing. What you think about that, you know? I mean, you think of somebody barbecuing or something down the street. You can smell it through the air. It's carried in the wind. Mm-hmm. But how many miles away could somebody be barbecuing and you can smell it and even know what they're barbecuing? Hmm. You know? And whether they bought it at Whole Foods or wherever they got it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing I think is sometimes, you know, as a visionary, you can actually see what people are doing. You wouldn't necessarily have it as a real smell. I don't know. I don't know. I just made that up in response to well, what there, you said. Yeah, you know, there's the physical <clears throat> part of the smell and, and, and senses or sight right. or hearing or taste. All of those things, right? Right. So we have, we have that typical five and then the, the sixth sense. And then you get ancient Egyptians where they taught in their mystery schools 360 senses. Wow. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm now, now there's the advanced ones, not that really built the really deep, cool things that are in Egypt, not the, the people who moved in later and they're Egyptians and now they pretend that they built it. And they mm-hmm. built a whole story in Egyptology about that you know, and it's part of the marketing, but they aren't the ones that built things, including things that were built pre-flood, mm-hmm. you know, and how old the stuff really is. I mean, they guard those measurements of how old things are very tightly because of their narrative. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get closer to the real thing, you know, you, uh, it's not the Egyptologists that are trained because they're also trained in what they can't tell you. Well, so it's interesting because um, before we ca- got on to this, we were talking a little bit about the ETs. And I'm going, what do you know about the link with uh, Egypt and its history and ETs? Well, uh, I will say you can get information about that by current living people in Egypt that's called chemistry. Okay. And that's where we get alchemy and chemistry. Oh, really? City, city of Kim. I mean, Cairo, me, Al-Kahira, means city of Mars. Can you dig that? Oh, wow, really? I did yeah, not know that. And pyramid translates as fire in the middle. Really? Yeah, and those pyramids were processing hydrogen and taking water. It all worked off of certain kind of stones and other technologies, but they were taking water and they could separate hydrogen from the water, the pyramids worked as a machine. 
So that okay, was the so, setup to make connection with the ET civilization? Well, they, or a bunch they of have that. They already did. Um, or is it dimensional? A of, there's a lot of ways. Okay, so you get the advanced beings that came here that built things. Right. A lot of people are looking at Enoch being one of the prime builders, not Tote, okay. Tehuti. Okay. So that's going to shake some people up. Oh, okay. All right, because, you know, uh, anyway, without disrespect, but with real respect, who really built things? And it weren't the Egyptians that moved in later because they don't even know how it was built. You okay. Know? And um, the beings from other star systems, Lyra was one of them that populated Mars about 500,000 years ago. And then they came here and built things also on Earth. And there's a whole dynamic in the Lyran civilization and its migration and why they had to migrate. And, and why they, did they? Well, it had to do with destructions and problems and things in their own uh, world. So they were out looking for a new home. Mm. And so the earth, well, the earth wasn't always where it is now in the cradle position, you know, third rock from the sun type of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Venus was at a certain time. And there's beings from Venus that have come here. And they known the guy, uh, Valiant Thor, who worked for a number of years in the Pentagon. And that's documented. He's from a different uh, dimension of Venus. He's three mm -hmm. dimensions here when he's here, mm -hmm. but from a different dimension of Venus that's not, you know, a meltdown temperature the way the third dimension of Venus is now. It doesn't support Earth like life. But the other mm -hmm. dimension, Venus, where the Aphrodite stuff and the ancient Greek myths and various things are all these gorgeous, unbelievably gorgeous temples still mm. exist. All of that reality, but it's in another dimension. And then we have. So, so if you're going to travel with, to meet ETs, do you, you really have to do a lot of dimensional shifting, right? Uh, you see what I mean? It's well, like they I don't know, always. I know what you're saying. There is that. For mm -hmm. some people that might have to do dimensional shifting, other people, uh, they can tap into it pretty instantaneously. Okay. It's like, because they don't have, they're not doing it through linear time. Okay. And they know what dim what dimension to shift to. Uh, and then, then the ET is standing right there beside you. You don't see it in one dimension because it's a consciousness. Uh, how observing that dimension um, depends upon your consciousness and what your purpose is in seeing into that dimension and then what it does to you when you do see into that dimension. Some people handle it. Some people maybe don't handle it so well. But a lot of them are here living in different layers in the earth underground and have been all along. Under Giza, there's like seven layers of, uh, of civilizations. It's, it's kind of really hard to envision in 3D thinking, isn't it? Well, some parts might be. And if you're thinking of it in uh, dimensions that you can't see, mm -hmm. but if you know how to navigate the tunnel network and you're allowed to under Giza, for instance, not only Giza, by the way, but because of Giza being in the center of the whole Earth grid central major vor single vortex on earth being one of the most important ones that coordinated with all the other vortex um, and you know how to go down underground and you're allowed to and you're not blocked from it for whatever reason mm -hmm. and whatever reason you're allowed to too 
um, it's physical. And there are beings living down there and they have tunnels connecting all over the world. They, the major pyramid in uh, uh, Romania goes all the way, the tunnel go, system goes all the way over to Giza. Hmm. Underground tunnel network with transportation and beings living down there and advanced beings living down there. And not all of them are nice. So, you know, you don't necessarily want to stumble around without no, being on purpose, right? Because you might stumble into characters that you ought to not be interacting with. Mm -hmm. And some of them have force fields too to prevent you from seeing things and, and getting places because of the advanced technologies and things that are down there, still down there and have been all along. A lot For of like thousands and thousands of years? Way longer. We're talking oh, really? millions of years. Yeah. Okay. Really long. And um, so a lot of the civilizations live underground because okay. of the problems on the surface. So we're called surface dwellers. Hmm. And so we, we, you know, we've had asteroids strike and strange weather patterns and, you know, all kinds of things happening, various kinds of weather and polar shifts and freezing and all the various things. But it's not that way down inside the Earth. And so overpopulation? Yeah, we got that going on on the surface. Yeah, I'm just sort of curious but, as to whether when you're living in different dimensions, whether you just shift dimensions and you don't have to be crowded. Well, there is that whole parallel. Is that naive uh, on well, my part? It, no, uh, there's dimension shifting and, and uh, in certain dimensions, there's beliefs and uh, whole constructs that go with that, with that dimension that if you're not tuned to that, you don't even see it. Hmm. You know, it's like you see a UFO and all of a sudden it disappears and it didn't fly anywhere, it just bent the light into mm -hmm. the infrared, uh, no, excuse me, into the ultraviolet spectrum and all of a sudden it blinks off. Now that's different than watching one fly away at extreme speed and mm -hmm. you see it moving. But other ones, it just blinks off and it's sitting right there, you know, right above your house. I mean, I've had people come to my house to see things that I didn't see. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's right there and you see it? No. Well, we were leaving your house one time and we saw one, up, you know, up on by the beach. Yeah. If you don't remember, we called you and, hey, guess what? <laughs> you were all excited. Yeah, there, yeah, you know, I've had a big, huge triangular ship fly over the house, you know, that I saw and I was here with a friend and we both saw it. And then it flew over the house and then there's a park on the other side and it cloaked itself and we watched it cloak itself and turn mm -hmm. into particles. So it's just like that beaming up on Star Trek. The, whole, uh, the cloaking was just like that. Really? How amazing, eh? That was really, that was very, very cool. How interesting. <laughs> but it doesn't so, mean that I'm going to go out in the yard and volunteer and say, hey, beam me up, you know, because I'm not crazy enough. Uh, to, to you're not confident volunteer. enough that they're going to want to take you out for tea. You're not sure what they're going to do. Right? Uh, what their agenda is, what mm -hmm. their purpose is, where they're really coming from and all of that. I mean, people fool around with it and they want to see things and want to remember the things that have been hidden from the normal population and lied about and all that. But a lot of people are very naively, oh, beam me up, no way. If you know the mm -hmm. ones that would just assume they want the earth back, they claim it's theirs. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they're not fond of humans. We're kind of a big irritation. Right? <laughs>
What are you doing here? It's my yard, not yours. That, well, I, that, what do you, yeah, we've had it all along. What, why, what do you think? Because you're alive here. You live on the surface that you own this planet. Now we've got bases under the ocean and in the mountains and under the earth going down over miles. You just don't see us. We've been here millions of years. Well, yeah. it's mind boggling. Here's the other question I have. It is mind boggling. Yeah, the other thing is that why is it that we hear that the ones that are prowling around have had to leave their own place? Like you said about the Liran or Lyran, you said they well, had to leave because of what? Disruption, difficulty? Uh, wars. Uh, mm -hmm. And Bashar had and, to leave his, right? Yeah, well, that's what he says. You know, uh, they have different kind of behavior going on. So when you look, see, you look at uh, the, the asteroid belt now that was formerly a planet that a lot of people call Maldek. It's had, there's several names for it, but one of the names is Maldek. And one of the stories about it was that they had uh, worked a way to take the real life force energy, beaming out through the Great Pyramid and shoot it up to their planet. They wanted to steal that life force energy and take it to their planet. Hmm. So for a little while, it worked. And then all of a sudden, the planet started vibrating, and it just shattered. Oh, wow. That's great. That's actually good. So they got their, their own back. <laughs> well, you know, th then there's a problem. Then it threw this whole, our whole solar system out of balance. Planets, okay. Or all the planetary orbits changed and moons, and the, made, the atmosphere of Mars uh, left the water, a lot of the water. Uh, many things happened to the planets so that they were not habitable the way the Earth is now. And there was life on all these planets and moons. Mm -hmm. And it got destroyed. And Earth was the third rock from the sun, was the place that could support diversity of lives. Oh, okay. A different life, all on one planet. Most of them aren't that way. You have maybe one or two civilizations. But Earth, you know. You look around, you know, how come people don't get along? Well, they're from all over the place with different streams of why they're here, how they mm -hmm. got here, and ones who've been fighting, but not, and they had nowhere else to go. So they came to the earth and you know they have various kinds of behaviors once they get here. It doesn't mean they're going to be thankful and gracious and, and everything like that. So um, let's go back into harmonics for a minute. Is there any way of using the mu music of the, this is a big, big question, but I know you can handle it. <laughs> music of the spheres to harmonize various people that are at odds with each other, uh, groups of people, planets, what, whatever. Can we, can we consciously? Can mm -hmm. Answer is yes. It can okay. be done uh, with sound frequencies that have not yet taken on the definition of becoming music. Okay. Because of the patterns, you know, the right frequencies can. Oops, sorry. Good grief. There's Good that grief. little mambo. <laughs> See, what I do with that is I play a Montuno. <laughs> oh, that's good. That, if you play that little mambo underneath your, your ringtone there, it's just perfect. Really? Oh, Actually. yeah. G minor seven to C nine are the two chords. Now tell me this: Will that calm everything down when you you know when your phone rings? You need to. Will it calm us? Will it calm the frequencies? Yeah, down? I might get people dancing and that intention, <laughs> and they're out boogieing in your living room and doing a little kind of a mambo or a chop, depending on what tempo you play. 
a cha-cha or one of the Cuban rhythms, which that was that I was playing. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that, actually. You know, and, and they smile and it's like, cool. I mean, way cool. <laughs> and so that, that has healing, that level of dance and fun and the movement and the whole way that Cuban music and Afro-Cuban music is put together. It's full of healing, but it's also full of voodoo, too, mm -hmm. you know, that we came over from Africa, especially from Angola and a few places uh, that went to the different islands where the slave trades went and so on. Uh, and they've got the, the negative spooky side especially in Haiti, very dark. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, but whether it's harmonics and voodoo and this and that, isn't it all about learning? It's all to, harmonics. Every bit of that is harmonics. But it's, a matter it's about of us learning it. how to use that information. Is that what it is? It's how yeah. to assess it and use so it for I'm what? I'm a distinction in two areas. One is just, you know, specific sounds that are put together. That okay. You don't have to call it music. It doesn't have patterns to where it now is taking on a definition to be called music. Okay. That has to do with organized patterns of sound. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, they play certain frequencies to soldiers in the Gulf War and, and the soldiers surrendered because mm -hmm. they couldn't stand the frequencies. And so, I mean, uh, sound frequencies have been used in battle zones for a long time. And I know I did ask you, and you probably didn't see my note, but I'm saying, didn't they use in the second war, in the first world war, didn't the uh, bagpipes coming over the hill? I saw not... that note. Yeah. yeah. But that, that goes back way back um, because of um, how they use that sound with the fife, uh, the little pick, they're like more like a piccolo and drums. Yes. Uh, a drum and fife group plus the bagpipes. And they're marching over the hill and they learned with those tones how to create tremendous fear. And they were doing that back in the Revolutionary War. Wow. Well, that's actually very clever, but isn't that part of like healing? Yeah. With and music? That's, yeah. yeah. And it can be used for healing. Like if you listen to certain bagpipes play Amazing Grace, there are certain versions of Amazing Grace on a bagpipe. The tone quality and everything else that can move you to tears, it's, mm -hmm. it's huge. It's just I always want to fall on the floor and, and surrender or something. Well, yeah. not in a war kind of thing, but in this complete giving. Well, yeah, up. in the good way of sur surrendering to yes, spirit. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Well, but see that all that information can be used either way, just like surrounding Jericho, circum, you know, go marching around Jericho, creating a vortex pattern with sound going around and around, using the right tones and the trumpets that they talk about in the Bible mm -hmm. that surrounded it, and they create a certain standing wave, and then just crumbling the walls and breaking it down completely with sound they wow. create, it's just like the, the whole thing like with a with a, uh, a a glass and an opera singer sings a note and matches the vibration in the glass and then modulates it and steps it up with volume and intensity and then the glass shatters basically that same principle and that's going on and in, in terms of you it can be done beneficially like mm -hmm. breaking up kidney stones, but they've had to learn how not to harm other tissues when they were uh, dissolving kidney stones with high frequencies. Hmm. You know? That so makes sense, didn't... doesn't it? Yeah. So you have to, you know, there's uh, stuff to know either way. Well, so why break that, this, all of this down, let's say, into certain tones you can use that, I, again, I'm saying I'm not calling it music, okay. even if it's a beautiful tone. Okay, because it's, it's lacking the structure and organization of a musical structure. Okay, that's okay. the simple 
definition. And then there is music healing that has, of course, it has sound that goes with it. I mean, I mean, on one scenario, I, you know, musicians that are trained can look at a score on paper and nobody's playing anything and they can hear what it sounds like. Hmm. All right. I mm -hmm. mean, symphony conductors are trained to look to follow. Somebody mails them a score of a piece to say, hey, I'd like, would your symphony perform my piece? And the symphony uh, conductor can look at that score and hear it. And when it says clarinets, they can tell the tone quality is different than the oboe or the English horn. Uh, although nobody's playing anything, just looking at the score and what instrument is designated. That's interesting. But they can nope. feel it and almost hear it, even though not it's almost, not... they hear it. Wow, that's yeah, wonderful. They, yeah, there's Beethoven, he can hear all that stuff. He's writing, you know, that part. And he was deaf, deaf, right? Yeah, well, deaf on one level, but not really deaf in terms of music of the spheres, in mm -hmm. terms of his whole body feeling and uh, how you can sense and know the sound. You can look at something in the chord and you know what all the intervals are, you know exactly what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So that's one level of sound without any, and somebody else walks into the room and here it's this conductor looking at the score and he's getting off like he has headphones on listening, <laughs> happening, it's just like grooving away and other people then don't hear anything. They say, what are you listening? What are you doing? They say, oh, I'm listening to this score. Where's the stereo? Where's, what are you playing it on? No, he's not. He's playing <laughs> with his consciousness and his mind and his training by looking at the notes on paper and hearing it and tapping his foot and bopping, you know, it might as well put a headphone on and plug the other part of the headphone into the score. You see? <laughs> I love that. Well, Randy, I'm afraid we're going to run out of time. So what I want to know is what are you, Randy Masters, doing with all this information? And it's not just information, it's beingness in various amazing organizer. What am I trying to say? Sound and field organizations. It's really it's healing for you, but also you, you really teach a lot of people. Yeah, I'm online teaching people all, all around the world. That's, you know, um, so I'm living a harmonic life. I look mm -hmm. at the whole universe and everything I look at in science, physics, chemistry, biology. I analyze all of it from music, from musical knowledge, harmonic knowledge, sonic physics, including light. I'm analyzing all the stuff with light, just like I do with music. Wow. And, 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 and bringing that into integration. It can be paint colors in a room. It could be this, what I teach is sacred geometry where we're talking about forms. Then there's, I'm studying the dynamics between how sound influences form and how form influences sound. Just like- and How does sound influence you? How does sound influence well, your, your form? Yeah, depending on what I listen to and also what I think about. And I have dreams where I'm playing my musical instruments, just like I do. If somebody walked into the room and I was sleeping and dreaming, they wouldn't be hearing what I'm hearing. And I'm having a good time. I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> I've got a, awesome gigs in the dream world. A, totally cool stuff, you know, and it's because it's it's an integration of a sonic, uh, alchem sonic alchemical way of being and viewing the world that way. And that's what I what I'm teaching and applying it applications uh, working on i had a whole science team making we're making the world's best cymatic instruments that they've now what is better. cymatic mm -hmm. yeah it's where you know you you make the forms visible by playing sound into different liquids or powders or there's a lot oh, of different wow. ways you can do that wow. and the sound forms geometries and that whole science 
uh, it started out with Cladney plates earlier on, but then later on with Hans Jenny uh, forming a science called cymatics or chymatics. You know, actually in Greek, you could pronounce it chymatics, believe it or not. And some of the stuff we're doing is unbelievable. And I have a team of wizards and they've all done stuff. No wannabes, everybody there is maximally talented. There's no question other than what, High end, how high end of a, a piece of equipment do we want to make? Not so even. What you said is amazing. Tell me something that's actually created or is it precipitated from your sound? Well, you know, like for instance, you could look at it in water. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, Lynn Claire Dennis did one thing that I thought was just spectacular. Uh, and she told the scientists this was going to happen and played a certain sound frequency into water. And it created a 120 face crystal. Wow. With a blue light, kind of electric blue white. It was like a little tiny thermonuclear explosion. And she told them what it was. And I was part of her research team for a while. And um, they worked, mapped out the geometry of this 120 face crystal that she saw in multiple death experiences that she had, that she survived. Wow. Wow. And when I to find out, well, what is that? Spent years doing it and got top mathematicians, university mathematicians, scientists together. And okay, so they, that geometry got created by playing the right sound. I won't tell you anybody right now what that sound is, but- um, Oh, darn. You know, <laughs> you know, that's another thing. Um, but with one sound frequency and it wasn't very high and you played it for just a certain length of time, and poof, the geometry forms in the water. Mm. So. Uh, creating so we can learn to sing this sort of thing. Oh, yeah, this note's too low to sing, but mm -hmm. we could sing octaves of it. Because mm -hmm. just like when I, when I was in the Great Pyramid and one of my uh, when I was collating trips there, um, uh, laying in the sarcophagus in the king's chamber in the Great Pyramid, and Tony and just one other person uh, was there with me, the co leader on that trip, Paul Hubbard, and all the electricity in the pyramid went out. And the ceiling uh, was coated with electric blue white light. Wow. I remember you know, that story, actually. That was very, very important. Well, the idea there was see, now I'm taking it the other way, creating the light out of the sound, hmm. which in a way was also going on with this bubble of this 220 face crystal, which they call the Merion, M E R E O N, the Merion is what they've named that crystal. And so that light got created out of one single tone. It wasn't wow. used. How but long? Did they play it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I have to go back to the notes to see how soon that shape formed from when they turned the sound on. I don't remember right this mm -hmm. moment how long it was. But, you know, you could take all of this knowledge and apply it to sound, to music making. Hmm. Then we're talking about not, uh, not only music healing, and sound healing working together. Hmm. And you and do work on sound healing, don't you? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and, and making tuning forks and doing all of that type of thing. And then, and, and the Baroque musicians were very big at this. They studied the effects of sound on their audiences. It was hmm. called effect, Effektenlehrer. It's a German word, Effektenlehrer. And you can hear Joseph Farrell talk about it. He, he's a, he plays organ too, classical. Oregon, and he did a whole lecture about that uh, um, on his website, you know, the, the Giza Death Star, uh, uh, Joseph Farrell, uh, on the effecting layer, 
of, of how these Baroque musicians were studying the effect on consciousness and hmm. the effect on their audiences of the patterns that they put together in their music. A lot of people don't know that. That's a higher level of Baroque music than what a lot of people know. Wow, that's and pretty impressive. Even many of the college graduates even know that. Even though it's they, more of an inspired kind of thing, isn't it? Oh, Rather than and a, very a, studied. What what are the patterns, the kind of intervals, the kind of chord progressions, the type of melody, the uh, embellishments on the melody, the effect of that melody over time, the volume level, the tone quality. Those are all the rhythmic patterns, all of that stuff that music making is about, including mm. the tone quality of the instruments playing. Now, if you take every one of those layers I mentioned and put deep training and deep consciousness into it, you can have sound healing and music healing linked up, totally linked up. Wow. So are you teaching classes on this sort of thing, Randolph? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of people coming? It's, I, it sounds a little uh, not uh, uh, thwarting, like it would really command a high uh, consciousness in people to learn, right? Well, that's the thing. You know, I just have to accept students where they are and know that that's their entrance into the field and, and work to meet them there and help them move forward along their path. Even if they have math phobias and they put a, ratio, a musical ratio on a board and they go unconscious. Mm -hmm. They have trouble sleeping at night and they can just write some of these ratios down. They'll be asleep and nothing flat. Really? Well, you know, because there's so many people with math phobias. You know, they can't, they're not able to handle the fact that it's not just a left, it's not a left brain thing. It's a whole brain that the universe works off these musical ratios. Hmm. That's the point. It's not just in music. See, that's my whole thing that I'm documenting and eventually could put in a book is how these musical ratios show up throughout the universe, not mm -hmm. just in somebody doing something with sound. I found these ratios, like in this spectral lines of hydrogen completely, I found famous special musical ratios in the ratio of that. I found special ratios in the rings of Saturn. That's another whole thing too. Really? Yeah, all related to the DNA and, and multiples of phi or phi squared, every single one of the rings of Saturn. Really? Hmm. Now there's a book put out that people could get online by a guy that worked through a lot of the space agencies before NASA and he worked for NASA. His name was Norman Bergren. B-E-R-G-R-U-N. B-E-R-G-R-U-M. Okay. G-R-U-N. Okay. It's called Ringmakers of Saturn. Okay. Ringmakers of Saturn. And one uh, and he found in the NASA um, photo that he had access to different spaceships in the rings, and one of them was over thirty thousand miles long. Whoa! Yep, thirty-one thousand four hundred ninety-six miles. By the wow. way, by, and that you know, depending on how you convert kilometers to miles, which conversion ratio, but that's basically where it is. You know, wow. So that when you say music of the spheres, you're talking spheres that go way out there, much bigger than a. Can you box. imagine a mother a, a mothership that's that big? No, I cannot imagine it. Although I can sort of as a, as a photograph or something. 
But um, this is incredible well, information. You know that. So I was told uh, by John Fox, friend of mine, who channeled the book, uh, uh, you know, the gemstone elixirs. The, oh, no, okay. me, the starlight elixirs, excuse me. Okay. And um, that's a fascinating book. Really fascinating. And uh, he can do scientific channeling, very precise stuff. And he mm -hmm. told me many, many years ago, between maybe... 30 years ago, somewhere in there, to study the rings of Saturn for music healing. And so I got data from NASA and I analyzed oh. Oh, and I wow. found all the rings, all the rings uh, in their spin rates traveling at multiples of a certain value of phi and a certain value of phi squared, which is the same value of phi that I found when I did special work on the DNA. Really? And it's the same value of phi that we that I uh, discovered in analyzing the harmonics of the booty, Sai Baba makes that powder. Oh right, yes. Yeah, well, it 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 answers to the same specific phi ratio. It's not one that's in any of the books. Nobody hmm. knew about it, but it's there. But they just hadn't gotten down to that. And it links it all together. Every single one of those rings spinning in whole number multiples of either phi or phi squared. Every single one of them. Can you do them on yourself? Can you use them on yourself? Yeah, I had tuning forks made and I also had wind chimes made in these ratios. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Now your home is just a magical, uh, what would we call it? Uh, it's just well, a wonderful place. Randy, Randy Land, I call it Toontown. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just really love the fact that you've set everything up so that it all has its uh, harmonic, harmonic effect and so on. I guess I'd put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, the colors, the paints were all chosen consciously. All of that mm -hmm. stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And the angles. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. you know, the paint colors give off or take energy. It's called emissivity. Emissivity? <coughs> yeah. I'm going to have to get that's, a whole new glossary going here, eh? Yeah, that's the energy that the paints can give off. Oh, okay. So if you, if you paint a room... Well, look at the amount of the school rooms and hospitals are painted with sick green. They look like dying canned peas. You know, the ones with kids in school used to throw them and have food fights because the food was so toxic. I know. <laughs> really? Canned peas. And, and, you know, when they start going gray, I mean, there's what green. It's a gray green. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just even saying that, I can almost taste it. Uh, almost. Anyway. But didn't you uh, put something in your paints when you painted your house? Yeah, I took ground up pearl. Right, okay. Seashells, real pearl from seashells and mother of pearl ground it up and put it in certain of the paints. Yeah. And that and gives so, it a, ra a radiance and a harmonic Oh yeah, and you can influence. see the pearly glow, pearl. Like look at pearl painted cars. Mm -hmm. They used to only see those in custom car shows. Now, look at all the different car manufacturers that make pearl and usually white pearl is the main one that they make was fascinating you know mm -hmm. how, it really how, is fascinating actually how that all that world works and but it's so, more than it's an artistic presentation it's a uh well it gives off energy it? see yeah I'm, mm -hmm. I, I painted my living room with certain colors of yellow they're yummy you, they're like the kind of paint that they, they look so good that you almost want to eat it <laughs> don't lick the walls randy no, I'm not. But but you know what I mean, I mean yes. it looks 
good enough, right? Visual. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. It's oh, no, it's lovely. And you can almost taste it. And you're not taste. I'm not talking about tasting the chemicals in the paint. But see, yeah. a lot of the paints, the expensive ones in the paint store, are more expensive because of the the process of extracting the gray. Mm. And the more they do that, the richer the paints become, and the more that emissivity they're giving off energy. So value. it's worth it. Then it's worth paying a little. Oh money. yeah, instead mm-hmm. of you know, you can go in rooms, look around at the colors that people use, and some of those colors are sucking energy. Hmm. Right. Hmm. That's really important. And I have to say goodbye, but can we talk again soon? I really enjoy I'm up for talking with you any time. And you know more than most of us got in this one little hour here. Right? <laughs> well, we just it's, it's just a dynamic, you know, we're just hanging. I know hanging it's and it's time. wonderful to see that you're always ongoing. I've known you for a long time, Randy. And you're changing and growing and using all this information to become more yeah. and more of your ascending self is that the right yeah i want to cross the finish line and have the folks upstairs be pleased that i exceeded their expectations right on well thank you so much for being a paradigm shifter you've shifted it more than once in my experience with you (laughs) oh big fun (laughs) i hope that, that that this is fun and good and brings goodness to the listeners in some way. They don't have to believe it, but maybe the energy in, in what we're talking about will be sufficient, you know? It's, yeah, it's a wonderful conversation. So we'll hear back from some people, I'm sure, Randy. Well, let me know if you hear anything interesting. Let me know. <laughs> you bet I will. So lots of love and thanks for okay. being on the show, okay? Okay, thank you, Veronica. Yeah. Bye now. Bye. Bye.